Welcome to Frontline Church South OKC Sermon Podcast. Each week we will have new sermon content from Sunday mornings, both video and audio options. Please visit south.frontlinechurch.com for more information. If you have any questions, need prayer, or have any other needs at all, please email hello at frontlinechurch.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. The scripture for today's teaching is Mark 4, 1 through 9, the parable of the sower. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got onto a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the word of God to us. Thanks be to God. All right, you guys can have a seat. Uh, Welcome. My name is Aaron Addison. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. Hey, if this is your first time, or maybe you're coming and you just have lots of questions, uh, maybe you didn't grow up in church, or maybe you did and this is your first time back in quite a few years, I just want to say, especially, just we're really glad to have you here. Um, This is a place where we love to just be able to let you ask questions and wrestle with that with you. Um, Jesus, as we've gone through Mark, we see a lot of people had lots of questions for Jesus. Uh, And even today, we get to see some disciples come and ask Jesus, hey, what did you mean? Because we really didn't get it. And that's okay. So we can work through that together and talk through that together. And we w- we're just really glad that you're here. Uh, I want you to just uh, take a minute and just picture with me. Imagine if you could that right now through these doors over here, Jesus walks in. All right. Now I know if someone walked in saying they were Jesus, we'd be like, okay, we need to get security or something like that. But let's imagine like really he had his passport and everything. So we knew it was Jesus. And, uh, and he walks in and he comes up here to teach. What do you think Jesus would say? How do you envision t- Jesus teaching us? Maybe you would think he's going to unravel the mysteries of the universe for us. Maybe he's just going to get up here and tell us all about his love. Maybe he's going to explain why so many prayers went unanswered or how bad things can happen in this world. Maybe it could be any number of those things. Well, in Mark 4, the passage we just read, we get a glimpse of what Jesus probably would say, which is he would probably get up, share a story that doesn't really seem like it connects with life and religion at all, and he would just say, hey, if you have ears to hear, hear. And in Mark 4, we see Jesus, his popularity, despite him trying to kind of stifle his fame, His popularity has grown so much, he is going out to teach, and he has to climb into a boat on the sea to teach the huge crowd of people everywhere, because they're just going to crush him, 
right? So he goes and he sits and teaches this huge crowd of people. And by all accounts, you would think, man, his ministry is a success. Look at him. It's just flowing. There's so many people following him. But Jesus gets into the boat and he speaks in this strange way. He tells this story that we just read of a farmer sowing some seeds out into a field, how some of the seed grew and some didn't for certain reasons. And then he just says, if you have ears to hear, hear. And that's it. And the way that Jesus taught is what Mark's going to call parables. These parables. says that he was teaching them many things in parables. And commonly, Jesus would use these parables, which are kind of like, they're hard to describe and pin down because they're so varied uh, in the accounts that we have of Jesus teaching them. But they're these stories that you know, you just know in your gut when you hear it, they have a deeper meaning than you, than you think, right? You hear it and you're like, I know he's not just trying to teach me about farming. There's something else going on here. And often, Jesus would give these parables without any explanation. He wouldn't put the pieces together. He wouldn't do any of that. He would just put it out there and leave people to get it on their own. And uh, to, to maybe steal from Marianne Moore's description of poetry, which I think fits parables really well, they're kind of like imaginary gardens with real toads in them, right? So it's like this, this imaginary thing, this story, but it's full of actually real life. It helps us actually see the world. It was this indirect way of teaching that really got us to question and tried to get people to question what they think about life. Completely flipped the world upside down in many ways. And parables had mixed results in Jesus' teaching, okay? Even his own disciples often, the people who followed him for years, many times came and said, Jesus, we have no idea what you're talking about. In this passage, we see that. He teaches this parable of the sower and, and his disciples. It's kind of like a flash forward moment. You know, in movies where like you see something and it kind of fades into the evening later on. That's what's happening here. Jesus is teaching and it kind of fades into the evening. And the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, you remember that parable you, t- you taught about? We have no idea what that means. And he's like, come on, guys, let me explain this to you. And we actually get an explanation from Jesus in this parable. But, but the disciples often misunderstood what he was saying. And the people even more so often misunderstood what Jesus was trying to say. So why would Jesus teach in this way? Well, parables are interesting because they at the same time conceal and reveal. They at the same time kind of let us in on something, but also we often miss things as well. As, as uh, the Christian philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said, parables deceive people into the truth. It's kind of how it is. You listen to them, you get bought in, and oftentimes you find out at the end that there's actually a finger pointing at you. (laughs) And that's kind of how parables are. And for some people who sat under Jesus' teaching, the confusing, mysterious parables actually kept them from understanding who Jesus was and what he came to do. In fact, the way that Jesus literally phrases it in verse 12 about these people is is, uh, hearing they hear, but they don't understand. Seeing they see, but they don't behold. 
And he says that outsiders would hear but not understand, see but not perceive. But for other people, for others, the parables actually were enlightening. They actually opened up in a powerful way the truth about the kingdom of God. And it's actually really fitting for Jesus' ministry because as you read Jesus' ministry, especially in Mark, that's exactly how it was. Jesus himself, people saw what he did and they were confused by it. Many people did not understand him at all. A lot of people heard the claims that he was making and said, I don't know about that. But for other people, it opened their eyes to reveal the kingdom of God. And so in Mark, this is the first parable that we really kind of come across in detail. In every uh, gospel, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all start off with the parable of the sower. And it's kind of like been called the parable to introduce all parables. And Jesus, in fact, says, hey, if you don't get this parable, you probably won't understand the other things that I'm teaching. It was so central and crucial. And because of that, it's one of the only parables that we have a detailed explanation from Jesus on. And so, in his interpretation, Jesus shows us and teaches us that the four different soils he's talking about, the four seeds, four plants, whatever you want to call them, are actually four different ways of hearing the word. Four different ways of hearing the word. He says the sower goes out and the seed that he's sowing is the word. And the word is just another way of saying the message, the message of Jesus. So Jesus came and we know what that message is, right? From the very beginning of, if you've been with us since the beginning of, we, of the gospel of Mark, since the very beginning it said, this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Christ, which means the king and the son of God. That's what Jesus came to show and to proclaim that he is the king and that he has come to rescue us from our broken, brokenness and rebellion and bring us into his kingdom of blessing. That through his life and death and resurrection, he actually offers us a new life, a new way of living, of salvation and rescue. And Jesus calls us to follow him. And we've seen all of that in these first three chapters. And now we kind of look at this crowd. And again, you can be tricked into thinking all these people are following Jesus. And Jesus kind of looking and again, kind of pointing the finger. He's kind of looking and saying, hey, there's actually different ways of hearing me that produce different things. And so he lays out for us in this kind of interpretation, him explaining his parable, four ways of hearing his message. And those four ways are still present today. So first, first group of people that Jesus talks about, I'm going to call the spiritually deaf. The spiritually deaf. So they're the ones who hear the message of Jesus physically. So the sound goes in their ears. They, they know the language. Uh, they hear the message, but... They're incapable of hearing it spiritually. So listen to how Jesus puts it in, uh, in, in Mark 4, starting in verse 15. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. 
So Jesus is saying, hey, there's the first kind of soil is the, is the soil where the seed was scattered along the path. And birds came and they took it before it actually got into the soil. And he says that's like Satan taking away the word before it gets in. And here's kind of the point is that these people hear the message of Jesus, just like the crowd that was around him that day, but it never has a chance to really get into the soil. It doesn't really get into their hearts. It just doesn't click. It doesn't make sense. Jesus, when he's talking in verse 12, and he says that saying, saying about the hear, hearing, the hear, but don't understand, that word for understand is really kind of similar to how we would say in English, put two and two together. So it's kind of like they hear, but it just doesn't come together for them. But Jesus doesn't say, notice, he doesn't say that people are just not intelligent enough to understand. He's not saying like many teachers told us growing up, hey, you're hearing but not listening. You need to pay attention. But he actually points to a spiritual reason as to why we just can't get it. He says there's this spiritual enemy, Satan, that's actually preventing us from truly hearing and receiving the message of Jesus. Later on in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who is a follower of Jesus, he picks up on a very similar idea, though he uses the analogy of sight instead of hearing. And he says this, see if this sounds familiar, in 2 Corinthians 4. In their case, the God of this world, which is kind of a way of saying Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so these people hear, but it's like they have blinders on. It's like they have earplugs in their ear. And even though they understand the words, things don't come together for them. Faith doesn't really spark in their hearts. And this is the place that all of us find ourselves in before faith in Jesus. I remember growing up, I didn't really grow up in the church. I went to church a few times because uh, I grew up in Oklahoma, and that's just what you do sometimes when you're bored. Uh, but I went to church a few times, and I am sure, I am sure of it, that there were preachers who preached the good news of Jesus to me. I am sure I went to services where they talked about Jesus' love for me, his life, his death, and resurrection for me, but the pieces didn't fit together. And in many ways, looking back, it's kind of like a blur. It's a little bit like, I remember going to church. I literally don't remember anything they talked about. And it's this idea of there was no ears to hear or eyes to see. And there came this moment where it's like the veil was lifted and was hearing for the first time. And as, as I kind of talk to followers of Jesus, I love doing membership interviews here because we actually talk to people about how they came to know Jesus. And one of the things that always comes up over and over again is really something like this, where you hear people who they've been in church their whole life, went every single week, grew up, and then they say things like, it was like I heard the gospel for the first time. And they've been in church for 20 years. Now, it could be that they went to a really bad church, but it could be that maybe God gave them ears to hear. Maybe that happened for the first time. 
Maybe the blinders that Satan was putting on was actually lifted off. See, Christianity is not about being a good person because we're really not good people. And it's not about us. The reason we're here is not so we can really celebrate how awesome we all are. Like, that's not why we're here. Instead, a great picture, I think, of the good news of Jesus is like, have you seen those Facebook videos where, uh, where you have like a child or something who's deaf, born deaf, and they get to hear for the first time? It's like every time I watch one of those around my wife, she's like, what's going on? I'm like nothing. I just put my phone away. You know, it's one of those things that just makes you weep and cry. It's like people who hear for the first time, especially little kids, it's like they, the, through technology, they hear their parents' voice for the very first time. They, they've seen their parents, they love their parent, and now they actually hear their voice for the first time. Well, faith in Jesus is the exact same way. It's like, the, it's like our ears have been opened and we hear our Father's voice for the first time. And it changes our life. And so Jesus, he's, he's showing us and telling us, hey, we need ears to hear. And some people, when they hear the message of Jesus, they just can't, it just doesn't connect. So first group of people spiritually deaf. Second group of people Jesus talks about, the spiritually flippant is what I'm going to call them. And they hear and they in some ways receive the message of Jesus, but in a very superficial way. So read with me in verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So Jesus is saying, hey, look, remember there was seed that was scattered and it was on rocky ground. There was rocks underneath it and that seed never got deep roots. And when the sun rose, guess what happened to it? Scorched it. Scorched it. Being in ministry for a number of years, I know I'm young, but I actually have been in ministry for a number of years. I've seen this kind of person lots of times where they hear the good news of Jesus and they seem all in, right? They're excited. They're showing up to both services, bringing friends, neighbors. They're signing up for everything that they can. And many times we actually take, uh, churches kind of take these people and highlight them like, look how God radically saved this person. And then as time goes on, they become a little less enthusiastic Maybe they start missing here and there, and then eventually they're just gone. And not just gone from our church, that would be fine, but gone from following Jesus. And the problem, according to Jesus, is that there was no root. The word that stands out here, if you notice that he says over and over again, is immediately. Right? So they immediately receive the word, and then they immediately reject it. For, for this kind of group of people, the spiritually flippant, it's, there's a way that they've accepted the good news of Jesus, but it's not a hill worth dying on. 
I mean, that, I think that's the best way to describe it. As soon as the sun starts beating down on them, it's ready to move on. Time to move on. And, and the reality is, is that when things get hard, when the whole world seems against us, when we aren't sure what is true anymore, we actually see how deep our roots go. Because Jesus promises us the sun will beat down on you. And if there are no deep roots, you will wither. Just like everything in your yard right now. We need deep roots. It kind of reminds me of, uh, I love having fires outside, bonfires. It's, it's kind of like trying to start a bonfire with lighter fluid. I know you're not supposed to do that, but I love doing that. You know, you drench it all on there, you pour lighter fluid on, and then you add just a little bit more. And, uh, and, then, you, and then you light it, and it's, it's this huge flame. And you're like, all right, my work here is done. That was easy. And now I'm just going to sit down and enjoy. And you sit, and what happens after a minute or so? It just goes down and it's gone. And you throw a little more on. But anyway, it's like it, you realize that what's been happening is it just burns off the lighter fluid. But it, the fire never got hot enough to catch the wood. And most fires don't really start with a blaze. They start with a small spark that grows into a small flame that eventually grows into a roaring fire that eventually you hardly even have to tend anymore. It's like my favorite part when it's all just like all the coals and you don't even care. You just throw the wood on. The same is true about faith in Jesus. Jesus isn't looking for the quick high flame that just eventually burns out in a minute. Like that's, that's not what it's about. It's about having, having the faith that endures the long run. And oftentimes that looks small at first and grows and grows and grows. And so Jesus, he's saying, hey, listen, you have a group of people who's going to hear my word and they're going to be deaf to it. And there's another group who they're going to look like they're all in. But time is going to show that they're really not. The pressures of the world, persecution, suffering, they're going to bail. The third group of people is who I'm going to call the spiritually barren. And these are the people that they hear the word of Jesus, they receive the word of Jesus, but their lives remain wholly unchanged. So read with me in verse 18. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So again, Jesus saying, hey, there's another soil, and it's like sowing seed among thorns. And the plant actually takes root, the plant actually grows up. It actually looks like a healthy plant except for one thing. It doesn't have any fruit because of all the thorns and weeds and everything else in the soil. In many ways, these people, the spiritually barren, they look like followers of Jesus. These are the people that they attend on Sunday mornings. 
Maybe they're a part of a communion group. They're praying, worshiping, they talk about Jesus. In every way, they look like a healthy plant except no fruit. And in Christianese, what that means is, is that despite what they say with their mouth, they don't actually follow Jesus with their lives. They want Jesus in some way, but they want to live their life however they want. They want Jesus more as like something on the side, not as the king over their life. And Mark mentions three specific things that are like these thorns that kind of keep the spiritually barren from producing fruits. And so the first thing he mentions is the cares of the world. And another way of translating this is the anxieties of the age. Right? There's a lot of anxieties in our world that are pulling for our attention, right? There's political anxieties. There's these social anxieties. There's anxiety anxieties. There's all of these things pulling at us. And these things in the world, it's not that Jesus isn't saying, hey, you just need to forget about the world and separate yourself. That's not what he's saying. But here, here's what we've seen. There are people who engage the cares of the world in a way that it just zaps all of the energy from their hearts. Because those things in the world become the thing, the ultimate and I think probably the best way to describe it, right, is think of like, um, think of planting in your yard. I remember having a huge tree in my old front yard. And this thing, no matter what we did underneath, which uh, I'm pretty cheap, so we didn't do a lot underneath the tree, but no matter what we did, grass would not grow because the nutrients in the soil were just completely zapped from this huge tree just completely zapped. It soaked up all the nutrients. And there's just only so much nutrients in the soil. And what Jesus is kind of saying is that, hey, there's these cares of the world, these anxieties of the age, and what they do is they end up soaking up all the nutrients in the soil. So yeah, you grow up and you look kind of like a healthy plant, but you don't have enough energy and nutrients to actually produce fruit. The anxieties of the world have left nothing left for spiritual fruitfulness. It zaps all our energy away from following Jesus. So Jesus is saying, hey, there's going to be lots of cares and anxieties in the world. And those things can really zap you from following Jesus. The second thing he mentions is the deceitfulness of riches. Right? And we, we kind of get this in some ways. Like we look at our culture and we know that our culture is all about money, right? It's all about, hey, we, if we just got that promotion, if we got that raise, if we got enough money, if we invested in Bitcoin soon enough, we'll be satisfied. Our souls will be satisfied. We'll have what we need. We won't have all these pressures of bills and finances. Everything will be great. And Jesus is like, that is a lie. Riches are deceiving us. They're tricking us. All the money in the world is not going to satisfy. And what I love is that sometimes in church we get that, but Jesus goes even further and is like, hey, listen, the love of money, the pursuit of riches 
will shipwreck your faith. Like a lot of times we don't make that connection, right? We don't make the connection that greed is actually going to lead me away from Jesus. But Jesus talks about it all the time. What Jesus says about the rich should really haunt us. Later on, he's going to say that apart from the grace of God, it would be practically impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Like That should haunt us when we're all running to be that. We, as Jesus said, can either worship money or we can worship Jesus. And we have to choose our God. And it's funny because Jesus is like, those are going to be the gods that you either run after almost. It's like money is going to deceive you. And so there are people who they look healthy, but really they are driven by greed and there's no fruit. Finally, Jesus in his characteristic way says, the desires for other things. Just a junk drawer term. It's like basically... Anything else that you can think of that you are desiring more than the kingdom. This is going to zap all the nutrients from your soil and leave you fruitless. Maybe it's your comfort or your sexuality or your freedom and autonomy. Maybe it's your reputation and your image. It's kind of Jesus saying, fill in the blank here. There are things that are going to pull you away from me. And here's kind of the point is, if Jesus is king, then he gets to tell us what to do. And we don't like that. We don't like someone coming to us and saying, hey, what you're doing is wrong. We don't like that. And Jesus says it all the time. He comes to us and he's like, that's not the right way to live. That's not going to lead to the blessing and flourishing I want for you. This is something that, that shouldn't be profound, but I think in our culture, in our time really is profound, is that to be a follower of Jesus, you have to follow Jesus. And we somehow have got this idea that we can separate those things out. That we can be a Christian, have faith in Jesus, and we can live however we want. We can do the things we want. But Jesus time and again is like, if you follow me, you're going to bear fruit. That's what it means to follow me. To follow Jesus, we have to actually follow Jesus. So we see the spiritually barren all over the place today. Many times, these are people who just walk completely away from the faith because they want to do what they want to do. Other times, even worse, are the people who they're still in the church. They still claim to follow Jesus, but they're living a double life. They're the king of their own life still. And they're, they're, at the end of the day, they're plant with no fruit. And Jesus says that is not the way to hear the message. That's not what faith looks like. Finally, we have the spiritually fruitful. 
And these, in essence, are the people that Jesus is saying, this is kind of the climax of his parable, right? He's like, this is the right way of hearing. So in verse 20, he says, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So there are three things that Jesus mentions here that actually stand in contrast to the other soils, right? First, they hear the word. Unlike the, the, the seed that was spread along the path, they actually hear the word. Second, they embrace the word. I think it's a terrible translation to put except because the word here is like a wholehearted embrace. Contrary to the way that the seed spread on the rocky ground, accepted, received in some way the word of Jesus. And finally, the seed bears fruit. Unlike the seed that's spread among the thorns. So this is, this is what it means to have faith in Jesus. To hear, to receive, and to follow. Now, don't be confused at this point. Good soil does not mean good people. Sometimes we can think or read Jesus and say, what he's saying is the good soil are the good people who hear the word of Jesus and then they follow him. And that's not it at all. Nor is he saying that soil just needs to try really hard to be good soil. I don't know if you know this, but soil doesn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be fertile today. I'm going to plant some seed in myself. Like, that's not how it works. And I think here's the point. The point is, it's all a gift. It's a gift from the sower. You see, in this parable, Jesus actually, one of his little tricks is he doesn't actually tell us who the sower is, but it's kind of like all around we see it's like, oh, Jesus is the one sowing the word. He's the one spreading his message. And notice that in verse 11, Jesus has explained the parables. Listen to what he says. He says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. The secret of the kingdom has been given. It is a gift. Because here's the reality. When we look at those other seas, those other soils, we really see three enemies that keep us from really hearing the message of Jesus rightly. We see our spiritual enemy, Satan. We see the enemy of suffering, And we see the enemy of our own sin. And those things have to be overcome for this seed to take root and actually produce fruit. And what Jesus is saying in here is, I have overcome those things. I'm the one who's done that. I've planted the seed. I've worked. He gives us ears to hear the message. He gives us deep roots in us and plants faith in us that grows up and produces fruit. The good soil are not the people who are just smarter or put things together better. They're the people who God had grace on and gave ears to hear. There are enemies within and without that are trying to keep us from hearing the message of Jesus, from keeping the seed from growing rightly, but Jesus' grace is stronger. And so Jesus, he begins and ends this parable 
with a call to listen. Right? He says, listen, behold. And then he ends it with, if you have ears to hear, hear. In fact, the word for hear is used about 10 times in these 20 verses. Jesus wants us to hear. So I think the question is, where are you? What kind of soil are you? How are you hearing the word of Jesus? And I think it's important to remember, this this is not as much a declaration as an invitation from Jesus. What I mean by that is Jesus isn't saying, well, if you find yourselves outside of this, too bad. This is just how it is. Jesus is wanting us to hear. He's wanting us to grow up. He's wanting us to produce fruits. It's an invitation to seek him in his kingdom. This is not the final verdict, but a call to himself. Jesus is the one who defeats spiritual darkness and gives us life. He's the one who walks with us in the midst of the dark night of the soul and keeps us. He's the one who satisfies our soul more than anything this world has to offer. And us, we're just like soil. We receive. We hear, we embrace, we follow Jesus. He came with a new way of living in his kingdom And the call is to hear and to listen. If you have ears to hear, hear. Would you guys stand with me?